Parental Advisory. Great. Mistakes. Singapore. The first in this series of stories takes place in Singapore. I remember a little bit different than Evan. Now, we were there a few times. Lots of stories about it. We had a lot of fun. But I guess you could say it's been so long. The event was at this night. Was it that night? I don't know. Again, we have a, a mild disagreement. But I do think, or we do agree with this definitely occurred in Singapore, 100% chance. And here's what happened. When you're with your group or a group of people, you can, well, maybe you can, maybe you can't. But what we would do, hey, you're tired, you want to go back to the hotel, you go with those guys, I'm going to hang out with these guys. You don't have a Liberty buddy per se, you're not with the person you checked out with, but you do have someone who's looking out for, for you, hopefully. Evan, we're out drinking. That's the short version since, again, we don't really agree on the first part. But we're out drinking. Evan goes home and I stay. There'll be a whole other episode on Singapore, by the way. But Evan decides to go back to the hotel room. I come out, I stay, have a few drinks, probably with Cliff and Chris, whatever. Come back to the hotel and I see Evan. And I'm shocked because he's supposed to be asleep in the room. And he is asleep. He's just outside the room, in front of the door, in his boxers, is Evan McCoy, wearing nothing else. No idea how he's in there, or why he's there, what he's doing. One piece of information about the characteristics of Evan, he's a pretty big guy, and this time he worked out, he did a lot of push-ups and stuff. He, he's like 6'3". He always described himself as a dwarf, all torso, short legs. And he actually liked Peyton Manning because he said Peyton Manning had the same body type as him. Tall guy, but it's all torso and short legs. So to try to pick this big guy up, I don't know what he had. I mean, it, he, he weighed well over 200. And me, I'm, I'm six foot at the time. I probably weighed 170-ish pounds. And I'm coming back to the hotel room and I'm drunk. Well... See him, I shake him, I look at him. Hey, buddy, slap him on the face. You know, not like super hard, just like a couple little love taps. Hey, are you good at you? He just nothing. He's snoring. He doesn't respond. And like, dude is just passed out drunk. Well, I get it in my head. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to open the door, throw it open, and then I'm going to lift him up, and then I'm going to drag him in the room. I open the door, I throw it open, I pick him up, and the door slams shut. Ah, I set him back down. I open the door, I pick him up, and the door slams shut. Ah, well, it didn't have the, I don't think it had the, what, do you, what am I trying to say? 
the lever. You know, on the back of a hotel room, you have extra security. You have a deadbolt, and then you'll either have like the chain that you put in and slide over, or you'll have that bar that wraps around a hook that's on the door. Well, if you have that bar and you go out to get ice, whatever, you close it and, and it, it keeps the door ajar. And I don't think I had that. And I was trying to figure out what am I going to do. So what I ended up doing was I opened the door, I put my foot in, but now I'm not like directly over him. So it's he's heavy and hard to pick up and I just want to go to bed. But now I'm in an awkward position because my foot has to keep the door open. Well, I end up, I don't exactly remember, but several times I pick him up and I get him on his feet. But not all the way. Like he's close, but not all the way. It's been 20 minutes, I don't know. I'm just sweating profusely. I'm super irritated. Finally, my plan works out. The door's open, my foot's there, I pick him up, nothing's, I'm blocking the door, everything's fine. I'm able to, and, and like, use all my body weight to get his completely limp body so his toes are, you know, because when his toes are pointing straight down, so you have to lift him up high enough so that then when he comes back down, his toes kind of go flat, you know, and then he's like, can put weight on his feet. And I thought, if I can just get him to where is, you know, he's not the front of it, maybe, you know, he'll put some weight, he'll, he'll take some of his weight off and I can get him inside. I get all that done. He doesn't do it at all. He's still completely limp. So I drop him down on the ground and at this point I'm swearing at him. And I finally get over him and I gave him like a pretty hefty hit on the face and he doesn't even, and I'm like, wake the fuck up, dude. Just wake the fuck up. I'm ready to get, and I smack him, nothing. And so I have, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'm just swear, I'm just letting him have it. I'm swearing at him. I'm just trying to get you and your fucking bed, man. What? I can't believe you're doing this to me right now. All you got to do is put a little weight on your legs, and then I can get you into your bed. And when I say bed, he perks up. He realizes he's not, I don't think he realized anything, but I, I, I do feel like he, he, he certainly understood I'm not in a bed and he knew he wanted to be in a bed and he says, bed I said, yes, Evan, I'm trying to get you into your bed and he's like, okay. All right, and I said, look, I've got a plan. It almost worked. What I need you to do is put some weight on your legs. Can you do that for me? And then I can drag you into the room and get you into bed. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, okay. And we've all hung out with somebody who's, uh, I, can you call it hanging out? I don't know. We've all spent time with someone who's had a few too many. And I'm talking to him, just trying to reiterate um, inculcation, get this point mashed into his brain. Hey, Evan, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to try to lift you up. Just put some weight on your legs. I can't carry all 200 and whatever pounds of you. I'm As I open the door, Evan sees the door open, stands up 100% on his own, and then 
he's like walking like a, I don't know, a dinosaur with no knees or something. He's like ambling along. I'm like, he, he's making a beeline right through the door and right for his bed. I'm shouting at him, fuck you. Why couldn't you done this a second ago? He gets about, I don't know, five feet away from his bed, four feet away from his bed, and just face plants. He's straight as an arrow, uh, light as a feather, stiff as a board. We used to do that when Cameron was a kid. She, she'd, when Cameron was a baby, she would get, I don't know, but she would like flex all of her muscles in her little baby body. And I used to put my two fingers under her body and then two fingers under her head and and we would go light as a feather, stiff as a board. And that's what Evan was doing. He was stiff as a board, straight out, and just toppling from the ankle. I thought, oh my gosh, this isn't going to end well. But he landed in, in these Asian countries. They always have single beds. And he just managed to land with his kind of top, his, his head and shoulder area kind of hit. And I just thought, you know what? Screw you, dude. I'm done. I'm not messing with it. You look comfortable. You're, I, guess, I mean, I think if your head is in bed, does that count as in bed? Part of you is in bed. I did, I did my job. And I went to sleep. Wake up in the morning. Evan's already awake. Look at the TV. And ESPN, ESPN was always, that movie Dodgeball came out and I loved it right around that time. But ESPN, the Ocho. That's what it reminds me of. All these sports that you've never seen, heard of. I don't know the rules to them. That's what's on TV. McCoy turns, McCoy's watching the TV. I look up. It's like some field hockey or something. I don't know what it is on TV. And I'm like, dude, what the hell is this? He realizes I'm awake. We start chatting. Evan says, man. I had the craziest dream last night. In my mind, I know where this is going. Please, please let this conversation go the way that I hope that it's going to go. And I, I, I set him up. Really? What uh, what'd you dream about? Man. I had to pee so bad. Yeah? You had to pee real bad? Yeah. And I was wandering around a hotel. Oh, really? Yeah. And I couldn't find anywhere to go to the bathroom. I'm just wandering around the halls, back and forth and back and forth. And there's another part. Oh, really? You were wandering around the halls peeing and there's more? You couldn't pee? You couldn't find the bathroom? You were trapped? And there's more? Yeah. I was just in my boxers. I didn't have any clothes on. Just my boxers. I'm wandering around a hotel trying to find some place to pee and just my boxers. Crazy dream. Dude, that was no dream. We had a good laugh. I explained to him the situation my version of events, letting him know, no, dude, you were sleeping in your boxer shorts in front of the door when I got back. He ends up saying, which made me laugh, I wonder where I peed.
And that's a question I don't think we'll ever have the answer to. I paid for a bed. I'm going to sleep in a bed. The second in this Lord of the Beds trilogy, starring Evan McCoy, we're in Hong Kong. I think we stayed at one. We would stay at a place called Wan Chai. And the reason we stayed there, it was right next door to an Outback Steakhouse. When you've been on an aircraft carrier, when you've been on a ship, you've eaten nothing but garbage for the last month. Terrible, terrible food. You don't want to come try, you know, local cuisine. You just want a damn hamburger. I want some French fries. That, you know what I want? I want some French fries. Something com comfort food. I want to get off this ship. I want to eat some comfort food. I want to take a shower where I'm not wearing shower shoes. Yeah. I want to I want to sleep in a bed that you know not in a sleeping bag. All these I don't know, creature comforts. First first world problems. But yeah, I don't want to deal with all that crap. I want to eat Outback Steakhouse. Next meal, yeah, we'll get some noodles or whatever, but first meal back, I want Outback Steakhouse. There's one everywhere in the whole entire world, which is amazing. They have awesome cheese fries. It's the best. And I want to start drinking some beers. That's, I get off the ship. You're going to find me at Outback drinking beers, eating cheese fries. It's the best. So I recommend it for everyone. We stayed at this hotel in Wan Chai. And right next door to us, it was Evan and I got a room. Chris and Cliff got a room, but they actually upgraded. So they weren't on our floor. And some shipmates of ours, some friends, they had the door right next to us. And we were at the very end of a hall. And then one back toward the elevator was this other room. Evan and I, we invited everybody to come to our room. <laughs> Actually, Evan had this ploy. So Evan, if you don't know him, He's cheap. I don't know that he's... Um, cheap is a bad word. He doesn't waste money unnecessarily. Maybe he does now. I don't know. But, I mean, he, he would pay, and, 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 and I'll talk more about all of the times he spent money on me, which I appreciate greatly. But he would definitely spend money. He just didn't want to... You know, everybody else is blowing it on crap, and Evan wouldn't do that. That's what I'm trying to say. Evan had this plan. Look, everybody, so a bunch of people decided to go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, the one in Hong Kong, and Evan's plan was to show up later than everyone else and see if they had any leftovers. And if they had any leftovers, what are you going to do? Take your Ruth's Chris Steakhouse back to the ship two days from now? Like, he's going to eat their leftovers. And he's going to save a couple of bucks instead of pay, paying, you know, 50 or $80 for a steak a la carte. As part of this ploy, he's like, look, let's get everybody to come to our room. 
we'll hang out, we'll drink some beers, we'll see when everybody's going, and, you know, we can strategically leave a little bit after everybody else. Like, we'll make up a, oh, crap, I didn't shower, whatever, and then we'll just leave, like, 30 minutes later than everybody else. And we'll go sit at their table. We go out, we buy a bunch of booze, bunch of liquor, whatever. We come to our room. A bunch of people kind of trickle in. Eventually, it's pretty crowded. And in this crowded room, everybody just, you know, my friend Buttry, he always called it posting up at the bar. You know, you go, you go, you go sit at the bar, you take your wallet out, you put it down, you take your keys out, you put it down, and this is where I'm at, this is where I'm going to be, I'm posted up. And they just came to our room, and they posted up, and they took the crap out, and I don't want all this stuff, whatever. So there was just kind of, there was junk everywhere. When it was time to go, in a herd, they basically all left. But I wasn't there. In the interim, before everyone left for Ruth's, Ruth's Chris, can't even say that. And I, apparently, it's a great steakhouse I've never been, but come on, Ruth's Chris, it's kind of annoying. Anyway, Ruth's Chris's Steakhouse, before everybody left for that joint, joint, what am I, I can, I know, look at that, you see, I'm like some New York, God, I can't believe I said that. Anyway, screw you, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, for making me say joint. Before people left for the steak establishment and them um, actually in between them showing up and then leaving for the steak establishment, one of our friends had had some bad kind of a personal situation. Well, I wasn't really invited to the conversation originally and I see two people who are my friends, dear friends of mine, and they are had a strong bond together. They were in a serious conversation. Room, you know, 20 other people or something. I don't know, 10. It's it's it seemed like a lot. Everybody's drinking. These two guys are having a serious conversation. And I walked over and I saw something was wrong. And I said, Hey, is there is there anything I can do for you? I don't like to see people in a bad way. And I could just, I could tell something wasn't right. And they had said, you know what? Let's, let's get out of here and let's go to the room right next door. We get out of our room. We go to the room right next door, friends of our room. And they're talking about this situation and I'm trying to be supportive as you could be. And we have a bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label. And I don't even drink scotch, but they keep passing it around. And every time it comes to me, I'm trying to be supportive and I'm an idiot. And I just kept drinking it. And these guys uh, can put me under the table. And I know that because that's exactly what happened. I have an understanding. I think maybe not a, maybe we all do in some way. But I know when I've drank too much because I'll be standing at somebody and, and I'll be standing and talking to somebody and when they start looking blurry and this is from back in the day, like I don't, I don't do that anymore. But when I'm talking to you and you start looking blurry, I know 
It's about to get ugly. That's my internal cue. I'm staying to talking to him. I'm listening to him. I, you know, we're hugging it out, whatever it is. I said, look, I got, I got to go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom. I think about, you know, trying to extricate some of this excess liquid from my stomach that maybe, maybe before it gets soaked in. So I tried to do the whole puke and rally. Did you like how I said that cool? And then I said it, uh, you know, the real way, puke and rally. So I tried to do the puke and rally and I puked, but there was no, there was no rally. I puked and after I puked, the world, it was like I was uh, a basketball on a Harlem Globetrotters finger. Like I, I, I couldn't get my bearings and I was like, and then, and then they came in and then now I've probably made the situation worse for them. And I said, they're like, hey, now they got to take care of me. And I was like, look, I can't, I can't go anywhere or do anything. My room's filled with a hundred people. You know what? Why don't you just lay on this bed? And I said, okay, I'm going to lay on the bed. And then I got out my card and uh, my, my room key card. And I set it down somewhere. I don't remember, but I, I, I think I gave it to one of the other people. I, I, I had it and it was taken care of. And that's the reason I'm making this point in such a terrible way is because it's an important, important point to note. This key card to get into my room, I had. I go to sleep. I wake up. Me and one other guy is in there. So between the three of us, Two of us drank too much, and while everybody else is going out to dinner, we're sleeping it off. So good job, us. I got some water, go back to sleep. Next thing I hear, pounding on the door. Pound, 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 pound. My friend, who's also passed out in the room, gets up. He goes, he unlocks the door. The guy who's supposed to be sleeping in that room walks in. He didn't have his room key. He's also not wearing a shirt. We're like, dude, what are you doing? <sighs> he's breathing like that. He's lifting up his arms and putting them down. And you can tell he's stressed and he's just like, oh my God, what just happened? We went out to Long Kwai Fong, which is a really awesome place. You could just go from bar to bar to bar to bar. That was in the, in the Catalani story, Catawini. You can just go from bar to bar to bar to bar. They all go down there. We're in Hong Kong, some very large city. We don't know where any actual neighborhood is i can't say hey hop on 465 and you know take a left at uh, meridian or whatever like no we don't know any of that somehow not speaking not speaking the language and a city that's nothing but skyscrapers not being able to communicate with anybody because a lot of people are in sight and i say not speaking and not communicating because in Hong Kong, actually, you know, it was a British settlement. Quite a few people speak English. I don't know, 25%. When we're in Tokyo, nobody spoke English. When we're in Hong Kong, you would expect, hey, if you run into enough people, someone's going to be able to help you. No, he just wandered through Hong Kong by himself. Some taxi had tried to run him over, he said, and he got pissed off and kicked 
the fender, dented the fender of some taxi. Then he ran away. I don't remember how he lost his shirt. He's nothing but stressed. Now he doesn't have a place to sleep. And I said, dude, here's my room key. I can't get out of bed because I'm still sleeping it off, apparently. But I gave him my room key and he went into my room right next door and went to sleep. I go back to sleep. My my now roommate, he goes to sleep as well. Next thing we hear, click, click, handle jiggle, click, click, handle jiggle, click, click, handle jiggle. goes on and on and on. I don't know how, like 10 minutes. No, no idea what it is. Well, the other guy's sleeping in, in that room with me. He walks to the door, opens it up, looks out. Sure enough, there's Evan. He's got a stack of room keys like you wouldn't believe. What happened was everybody left the room. He didn't know where his room key was. He just grabbed all of the room keys he could see. And he had everybody's room key who'd thrown one down and forgot. He had like 10 or 20 room keys and one at a time he's sticking it in and trying the handle and dropping it on the floor and sticking it in and trying the handle and dropping it on the floor. And when he got done with them all, he picked them all back up and then he tried them all again, thinking, oh, I must have missed one. We get into our room. We call the other room. We can hear the phone ringing, but the guy's sleeping in there just like us. He's not getting up. He's sleeping it off. So, again, I, I'm incapacitated. I'm out. But I'm, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like in Willy Wonka and the Char- Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I'm like the grandparents that just lay in bed all day, but they're cognizant. They're out and about. No, good for you, Charlie. Like, that's me. I'm the grandpa before actually going into Willy Wonka's, uh, you know, little shindig there. I'm just laying in bed. I can move my head and say some stuff, but I can't really do anything. I'm useless. So this other guy, he, he we, you know, gets the pillows and the blankets and finds some stuff, and he makes McCoy a bed, a little pallet on the floor. McCoy goes and he lays down on the pallet on the floor and he goes to sleep for like 20 minutes. And then he gets up and then he starts doing stuff. And we're like, what are you doing? He's like, I paid for a bed. I'm going to sleep in a bed. Like, no, dude, just lay down and go, you know, and we kind of get him called down, run his back, whatever, rub his back, whatever you're going to do. He lays down, goes to sleep for 20 minutes. He gets up. I paid for a bed. I'm going to sleep in a bed. No, no, just calm down. Just calm down. So we get him, calm down. He goes back to sleep. We go back to sleep. Next thing we hear, click, click, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Click, click, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Click, click, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Guy goes out in the hall, gets McCoy, brings him back inside. Dude, I paid for a bed. I'm going to sleep in a bed. Yeah, those keys don't work. They're never going to work. Stop doing that. Well, I paid for a bed. I'm going to sleep in a bed. 
dude, there's not a bed. Like, unless the other guy who's sleeping wakes up and opens that door, it's not coming open. Okay. And he goes outside and he starts hammer fist pounding the door. Boom, 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 boom. And we were like, screw it. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. He, he, he's, he's indefatigable, indefatigable, indef. I can't even, this is why I don't ever try to use big words. Cause I always screw it up. So anyway, he cannot be stopped. Abominable. Would that be another one? I don't know. Anyway, he can't be stopped. He's just pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. Eventually. The other guy in the room wakes up, opens the door. What the hell? Get out of my way. And then he goes in, and then they go to bed. When I sleep in this room, they sleep in that other room. Who was that guy? The denouement takes place in Guam. Actually, it's several months later. I guess it feels like a lot longer period of time. What we did was... We were the first aircraft carrier to go on what they called a surge deployment. This was 2007 and 2008. The Iraq war surge was around that. I guess surge was the military phrase of the time. We had the surge deployment. What we did was we did a six-month deployment. We had three months off, and we went on a five-month deployment. We were the first aircraft carrier to... I don't know the exact turn, you know, have this aggressive operational calendar. Usually you'd have basically four six-month blocks and it would just repeat every two years. You did not have a six-month deployment, three months off, and then another deployment. And in that time, all these port calls came. You're around all these people more than your family. It seemed a lot longer distance. It seemed it was five years apart, not less than a year. So over all this period of time, the first story happened, the second story happened, the last story happens, I believe it was toward the end of this 2008 deployment. We're in Guam. We're running around. Um... (laughs) We actually had a reactor electrical. That was my department, reactor electrical. Karaoke? I don't know. It was like Chief Simonis. Normally, I would go hang out with my friends, a couple of guys. Maybe I'd see somebody else on the duty section. Maybe somebody in a duty section before or after knows a spot. I hear about it. We're talking. Hey, I'm going to go there Tuesday night. Okay, I'll go there. You, You might work something out. There's four of us, but it was all not a calendar. Well, maybe we'll go here. Maybe we'll go there. What are you going to do? Never really made those plans with what we'd call khakis. You know, chiefs chiefs did their own thing. Officers did their thing. We would see these people out and about. Like, if we go to Long Kwai Fong, we're going to run into somebody. But we never had a planned event with them for the most part I didn't 
But this time we did. We had a planned reactor electrical get together at a karaoke bar. I don't know how it all worked. I th- I, I do think it was Chief Simonis that put it all together. But then and then uh, Master Chief Heater was there. I, I, everybody was there. All all the khaki, all the enlisted guys. We go out. We're doing whatever we're doing all day. We meet at the said karaoke bar at the appointed time. We continue to drink. We shut down the karaoke bar. And we're running back to the hotel. And every bar in Guam, you know, closed. I guess it's probably... I was going to say like someplace else. But it's like every bar closed and everybody just walks these 20 bars closed across the street from a hotel. There's this mass migration of the herd going to the hotel. On the way, we're talking to people. Are are you done? Are you done? Do you want to do something? I got stuff in my room. Let's go. Okay. And they make all these house parties. I was wiped. I just wanted to go to bed. And I'm not going to lie. I was devious. I told everyone, hey, Before I go there, I'm going to run to my hotel room and I'm going to go to the bathroom. I go to the hotel room, I go to the bathroom, and then I get in bed and I go to sleep. And I'm just hoping that nobody comes and knocks and tries to, you know, out me for this. Hoping they're just drunk and do their own thing and forget I even exist, really. Which is what happened. Until the next morning. I get my sleep. I wake up to pounding on the door. Door opens up. Two friends come in. Hey, it's X and such and such time. We need to get back on the... um, There was a little shuttle that would take us around the island. The shuttle leaves at this time. We need to be here at this time so we can do this at that. And we're getting all of it worked out so that we can get back to the ship on time. Okay, that means do we be here? Do we have time for breakfast? And I look over to my right as they're talking and they seem to be knowing what they're doing. There's some guy I've never seen before in my whole life. He's, he's kind of like curly-haired, whatever. White guy. I'm only saying that because, I mean, he's not a, a native to this island. It's... a I'm assuming it's somebody from the Navy. Like these guys know this guy. I mostly only knew reactor department people, but this guy's a cook or something like that. Somebody knows him from somewhere else. Now he's sleeping over here in this bed. So I don't say anything to him. When those two people walked in, one of them was Wimberly. Wimberly comes in and he's looking down, you know, knocking on the door, talking to Evan hey, this is what we need to do, and they're working out a plan, and everything's happening. This is about us getting back to the ship. Why is Evan on the floor? Why is this guy in our room? I don't know, but I, you know, it all happened after I went to bed, clearly. I'm just, I decided I'm not going to, you know, it's kind of rude. Hey, who are you? What are you doing here? Didn't ask anything. I just laid there. That guy, he just lays there. Couple minutes, I don't know. Too long to me, I guess. And kid gets out of bed, walks, steps 
over McCoy because he's sleeping on the floor. Walks in between Wimberley and whoever else, the wall. Says nothing. Gets out of there. That's when I said, who is that guy? Evan says, I don't know. And, and that's when I had died laughing because what do you mean you don't know? He, he's in our room. How do you not know the guy that you let into the room? And this is a story. Evan goes, they have this hotel room party. He's coming back to our room to sleep. On the way, he sees a guy passed out in the floor. And he says to himself, oh, I've been there before. Passed out in front of my hotel room with no way to get in. And I can promise you, it sucks. I'm going to be a good shipmate. I'm going to help this guy out. He proceeds to kidnap this guy. He drags him from the floor in front of his room. And he drags him. I mean, he probably would have gotten in trouble. But he he kidnaps him and he drags him into our room. Being a good host. Plops him in the bed. Evan makes himself a pallet on the ground. He goes to sleep. He said he got the worst night of sleep ever. He woke up constantly saying to himself, I paid for a bed, I'm going to sleep in a bed. I paid for a bed, I'm going to sleep in a bed. I paid for a bed, I'm going to sleep in a bed. And then he would sit up, say, I paid for a bed. And he would look at his bed, and he would see this guy that he drug, this complete stranger that he drug from down the hall and put in his bed. He's like, oh, oh, yeah. And then he'd lay down and go back to sleep. Then he'd wake up, realize he's on the floor. I painted a bed, I'm going to sleep for a bed. And he'd sit up, oh, there's that stranger I drug. Okay. And then he would go back to sleep. Now, I have no idea. I mean, that guy probably forgot. My biggest source of joy from the story is what? <laughs> what was going through that guy's head? What was he thinking about? The last thing I knew, I was at such and such place. You know, the last thing I knew, I was trying to get in my hotel room. And I was waiting for my boys to come with the key or whatever. And now I'm waking up. I'm seeing nothing but complete strangers. And I guess, <laughs> I guess he, he must have felt like he just blacked out. And didn't want to be like, so who are you guys? Which would have been the appro- which would have been the appropriate question. So I guess he just played it cool, said nothing, and left. Or maybe he was maybe he went around the corner and vomited. I don't know. But yeah, so that's the story. So Evan does not like to not sleep in a bed, and he will get trapped outside of a room. But. If you get trapped outside your room, his big heart will shine through and he'll kidnap you and drag your ass and put you in his bed.
shout outs. This week's shout out goes out to McCoy. It's the only thing that makes sense, really. Last couple weeks have been all about him, the interview with him, some stories about him. He needed to get one sometime. Seems fitting. I also wanted to clarify a couple topics from this episode. Number one was an omission. In that story where Evan had come up with a plan to eat Ruth's Chris on a budget. (laughs) So he goes to Ruth's Chris just as he planned. There was leftover food and he said, hey, do you mind if I mind if I get a bite of that steak? They brought him out a separate plate. He starts eating the leftovers and then he asks for ketchup because Evan McCoy put steak on his ketchup even at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. And everybody gave him hell for it. And all he said was if it wasn't good I wouldn't be doing it. Little blasphemy at the steakhouse, I guess. But I will say ketchup on steak. You know, if it's overcooked, I'll put some ketchup on there. Give it a little moisture. Actually, I go with like Heinz 57. But if I don't have Heinz 57, then I'll I'll stoop as low as putting ketchup on the steak that I overcooked. The second topic... I had mentioned in the episode was <clears throat> I had used the word cheap and then went on to say, well, he's not cheap. And, that, and that's not what I meant. And frugal didn't quite seem fitting. Not wasteful was how I ended up describing it. And I was mentioning he spent a lot of money on me, which I'm forever grateful for. And that the the Liberty group that we had, they all, they all did. Cliff would win like win money playing poker and then he would just buy us all we'd go out to eat and he'd just buy us all dinner and they would say oh don't pay for our stuff he'd say this is my poker money this this isn't even you know this is just money to blow on port calls that was cool but and how this whole I don't remember how it all got started Cliff and Evan knew each other from from before, I think they were in A school together, whatever. That's how they were friends. Bowers and I became workout buddies at some point. I, I don't remember how it all went down, but we decided that all four of us were going to be a Liberty group going into this next port call. And it turns out I thought I had some money, but then but then I didn't. And there, there was a big difference between me and, and most everybody. I was an E4. I didn't make E5. I didn't re-enlist. So I made, I made less money. I had also been on the ship a little bit less. And every time you're, every year you're on the ship, you get extra money for being on the ship for that amount of time. And once it's been like two years or something like that, three years, they give you an extra kicker. So normally you get like, you know, from $70 a month to $90 a month 
to $110 a month to $210 a month or something like that. Like it goes, it's a big jump. And when you're not making that much, that extra $100 really (laughs) makes a difference. But there's so many different aspects of your pay that are based off of time and whatever that, you know, it comes all at once and you go from not having any money to be able to kind of scrape by. At least that was my experience. The other reason that I had to scrape by where everybody else was doing great I still had a family. I had a wife and a child at at home. Everybody else could, you know, cancel their cell phone, minimize their bills. They would actually go through a little bit of a, try to figure out a way to keep getting BAH, which was your housing allowance. And if you don't have a lease, they're not going to give it to you. And when you go on deployment, you cancel your lease, then you're going to lose out on that money. So, so I guess it depends on how much you, you would either forego the money, but I think a lot of people too would have a lease and, you know, if you get enough guys in on a lease and then, you know, because you're not living there, you can fit more people in, put them all on the lease and then everybody can pay a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And then, and then get the remainder and, that might be as cheap as getting a storage unit for your stuff. However it works, I don't really know. I didn't have to go through it, but I had all these bills that never stopped. All the other people had bills that for the most part stopped and they could just save all that extra money. Well, I thought I had a couple bucks to spend on a port call and then it, as the port ball call comes up, I had bought something from the ship store and Mary had said, what are you, what are you buying? Like, what do you mean? I I should have some money in there. And, you know, it was kind of a big deal. Well, at this point, I realize we have some financial, you know, issues. And I said, okay, well, we're going to this port call. How much money do I have for the port call? How much can we spend on that? And it came out to be like $100 or something. And it was basically, if I ate McDonald's, if I skipped breakfast and ate McDonald's every meal, I could go out on on the town. Like I didn't have enough, I just didn't have any money. So I didn't really know what I was going to do. And we had already made these plans. And I told McCoy, I said, I'm sorry to do this, but I can't be you know, I can't be your Liberty buddy. I, I can't afford to pay for my part of the hotel room. McCoy said, don't worry about it. And I told him, no, don't, you know, I'm not, I don't want you to pay for my hotel room. I can't go get a different Liberty buddy, get somebody who can pay their half of the hotel room. I'll go out on town. I'll try to meet up with you guys at some point. You know, I'll probably stay on the ship and conserve my money and then, you know, go out like once or something. I don't know. And then that way we can hang out. But, you know, get get somebody who get somebody who can pay their half of the hotel room. And he said, no, we were going to do this thing as a Liberty Buddy group. We're going to go out as a group. You can just stay in my room. And I said, no, I don't want you to pay for me. And McCoy said, Look, if I go out with the Liberty Group, I'm going out with the same two guys and then me, and then I'm paying for this hotel room all by myself. 
and I'm going to have nobody in it because nobody else is going to be in our Liberty group. Or you come with us and it's us four, which is what we want to happen. And I'm still paying for the whole hotel room. So it makes no difference whether you come or not. And if it makes no difference whether you come or not, why don't you just come? And he convinced me to go on liberty with him, even though he was going to pay for my hotel room. And he did that basically for two deployments because I had to get my financial situation squared away. And then at the end of that 08 deployment, somewhere around in there, maybe, no, it was that September of 08, I made E5 and then I had more money. And then, you know, all the, all the pay kicker and everything else all happened. And then I was doing okay for the, for the 09 deployment. But for the other two deployments, I was in E4. I didn't make that much money. And Evan was very gracious to me. And he paid for my hotel rooms. The whole, I don't, I don't know how many poor calls it was. Or I guess he bought a hotel room and then let me stay in it is what he would have said at the time. If I talked to him now, he'd probably tell me that I owe him money. <laughs> But anyway, um, that's the shout out to Evan, other than these two entire kind of episodes. So I'm trying to think of the ending to this. I guess, yeah, Thank, thanks Evan for helping me out all the time. I don't know why you guys were so good to me. So many people were good to me that I truly don't deserve. But uh, thank you. Love you, buddy.